Well, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, that's today. Uh, As we sort of commemorate, I guess, that original outpouring of the Spirit. And I want to read the classic passage, Acts chapter 2, verses 1 to 4. When the day of Pentecost, which just by explanation was a Jewish feast, it was first fruits, but this is 50 days since the cross. And so Christians have, in a sense, uh, owned this as Pentecost, Pente being five or 50, etc. The day of Pentecost, this great feast day for the Jewish people had fully come. They were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing, mighty wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. It's an unusual place for a wind to be. I mean, if you read this passage and skip over and go, I've read that one before, you've really got to stop and think about this passage. It's actually quite an unusual passage of scripture. So the wind is blowing inside the house. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire and one sat upon each of them and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And I just want to note that the the kind of inference around divided tongues is that maybe when the fire appeared wasn't divided because they saw them divide is the inference of the scripture there and I want to talk to us really quickly about the context understanding the context here is Jesus original disciples um, the 11 of them of course uh, plus others up to 120 people that were faithful to Christ that had been seeking God since Jesus had ascended into heaven. He'd appeared over 40 days before literally hundreds of people. But what we find on the day of Pentecost is this group of people that are praying, are believing. uh, I can only assume that what they're believing for is what Jesus said they should wait for, what God wanted to give them, which was the promise of the Father. Um, Remembering previous weeks they probably weren't real sure what that was the promise of the father they knew it had to do with empowering them that God's power would come upon them they'd be witnesses to the ends of the earth but as far as sort of in their imaginations understanding what that would look like I'm sure they weren't expecting a mighty rushing wind inside the room I'm sure they weren't expecting tongues to to divide, fire to come and rest on each one of them. I'm pretty sure, because there's no previous biblical reference, I'm pretty sure, other than an obscure prophecy, they had no other reference point, but all of a sudden their mouths were open and they are speaking in the tongues of men and of angels, Paul would later write. They were speaking in languages that were both known and unknown, but one thing was for sure, they had never spoken them before. And this is all happening in response to their prayer to the Father. The context that they're living in, of course, is occupied Israel. Israel living under the oppression of the current world system. Just what it was. There's always one, isn't there? Through all of history, there's always someone we're always scared of. 
And that was Rome in Israel's day. In this particular point, first century Rome, and they were being force-fed the ideology of those who had captured them, those who had enslaved them, those who were determined to have their way with them. They were being told at this point, Caesar Augustus is the son of God. They're being forced to swallow many blasphemies. And this is a tumultuous time and a time of tremendous disempowerment where God's people, as much as they'd seen Jesus come and as an amazing messianic figure, he flashed onto the scene and miracles and healings and they thought, finally, we're going to be delivered from these oppressors. And then he is murdered on the cross. Raised from the dead, hopes come back alive and then ascends into heaven and leaves them there. And they must be thinking... (laughs) I think that's why they were there, just crying out for the promise of the Father, because they had nothing left to hang on to. Not only that, but they were living in the context, really, of what had become, what was, you know, a very sacred, very revered religious practice that had been corrupted from the top and had now crystallised in their hearts. They were stuck in their ways. They were stuck. Even when Jesus was walking with them, they couldn't see most of what he was teaching because they were stuck in this crystallised religious thought that had somehow captured them. And it's, they were living in that classic atrophy that happens to religion that we dare not let happen to us and maybe why... Such an emphasis on Pentecost Sunday, this Pentecost. Because things often begin with a man. They had Moses. It turned into a movement. It turned into a nation. But within a few centuries, it was a monument to the past. And we should never, never kid ourselves that that couldn't happen to us in our own lifetime. Having begun so well, In the spirit, Paul says, will you now be captured again just by dead rules? This is what a Christian does. This is what a Christian doesn't. This is what you do in church. This is what you don't do in church. And oh my goodness, I just want God to do it again. God, pour your spirit out on us. Pour your spirit out on me. Lord, let it start with me. Pour your spirit out, touch us, refresh us, ignite us, set our hearts on fire again. So this is their context. They are living in oppression and they're living in a sense with their old dead beliefs, what was left of them, wondering just how far are they going to get us and what is this new thing? And then suddenly comes a sound like a mighty rushing wind. A rushing wind within the house. I mean, for us, it doesn't make a lot of sense. But for the Jewish mind, this is God getting their attention. This is God tugging on their coat sleeves. When I talk about Moses, I'm sure every, every head in the room was Jewish at this point. Church was totally Jewish. It was just a Jewish sect. It wasn't Christianity. It was a Jewish sect at this point. <laughs> 
And every Jewish head in that place when they heard that mighty rushing in went, must have gone back to Moses. And they remember the story of a man called Moses who stood before the Red Sea with an Egyptian army pressing them to kill them all and take them slaves again, lift up a rod. And then the book of Exodus said, and the Lord caused a strong east wind to blow all night and in the morning the sea had parted. To them this said, God is making a way for his people. It's the power of the Spirit, folks. I mean, you can get involved in the political process. You can do all kinds of things. But unless the Spirit of God is animating your heart, it's all piffle. It's all opinion without the power of God. And for them, the mighty rushing wind, it makes perfect sense for a Jewish church, for a Jewish group. So, oh, God's up to something again. God's doing, last time the wind blew, God made a way where there seemed to be no way. Last time God, the wind blew, God took us into a promised land. He took us into blessing. The last time a wind blew like this, and here they are on the day of Pentecost, and the wind's blowing, folks. I think it's blowing again. Come on, do you believe that? I'm just, I'm off on the side listening to the worship. I'm talking to people through the week. I've had so many people encourage me. Oh, we're so hungry for this, Pastor, because we can't wait for this weekend. And I, you know, that's something that a preacher, you can't buy. You know, and you can't manipulate people's genuine enthusiasm for God alone. You can't manipulate that. And that's what I'm hearing. And it's like, Lord, only you could be doing this. This is the thing we've been praying for, that you would do what only you could do. And you're drawing the hearts of your people to yourself. Come on, folks, are you excited about it? And of course, these divided tongues of fire, I mean, that was a new experience. That was a new experience, but fire wasn't. Again, for the Jewish mind, fire wasn't a new experience. It's how God got them through the desert. For 40 years, their ancestors had followed a pillar of fire by night. They knew the presence of God. They'd seen a mountain touched and it explode into flame with God's presence. They'd been fearful of God's presence. Moses would have to say to them, don't touch the mountain, you'll die. Boom. They'd been fearful of God's presence and all of a sudden what they understood as a hallmark of God's presence is not some nationalistic thing out there separate from them. We as a nation have a particular identity. Oh, it was a lot more personal than that. All of a sudden, these tongues divided and came and rest on each one of them. And they had a personal visitation. That crystallized religion (laughs) began to melt away. All the propriety, all the, it's all done this way. All went out the door. Just look at, if you keep reading the book of Acts, you see this group of Jewish believers doing lots of non-Jewish things. (laughs) Because all that old stale thing for them, what had become atrophy, breaks open, empowered by the Spirit of God. He rests upon them. And then they begin speaking in other tongues and when I when I look at the and I'll get to tongues in just a moment we'll look at tongues specifically 
But I look at that and I'm like, God, just everything in there. Lord, do it again. Do it again. Make a way where there seems to be no way. In a society that is determined to spoon feed us and force feed us, its ideologies, which quite frankly are just growing more ridiculous as time goes by. You can't even appeal to science anymore. They've stolen that too, apparently. And in the midst of that, I'm crying out, God, do something that makes a way for your people because so many people, so many of our young people feel so powerless. It's no different to Nebuchadnezzar standing up saying, unless you bow down to the statue, you'll get burned in the fire of cancel culture. I'm like, Lord, make a way. Come on, is that our cry? Make a way, make a way in us for the sake of the next generation. I cannot afford to not be spirit-filled. And it's not about me, it's about my grandkids. It's the same for all of us. We have to pass this through, next generations coming through, and they have to have their own unique experience of the power of the Holy Spirit. And they're not going to get it from anyone else except the people that are a bit older than them having experienced God. We so need this church. And then we look at the shared experience, which was they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues as the Spirit gave utterance. This, when I say shared experience, I'm actually talking about the modern experience with the ancient experience. That was the ancient experience, but it's also the current experience. Happened for me in 1986. There would be people all over this place that would say, oh, I, remember, I remember when I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I remember I was in a meeting. I remember my mum, she was 78. She'd given her life to Christ about six months before that. She came to hear me preach at Crow's Nest and she came to me after the meeting, 78 years of age, had been a staunch Catholic all her life and she came to me with tears streaming down her face and said, oh, Christopher. Christopher, during the worship, I lifted my hands a little bit and then I began to speak in those tongues. And I'm just so excited. I've got so much joy in my heart. Like, oh, <laughs> come on. This is the shared experience. That if you're open to the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit wants to fill you. And there's a welling up within. It's an overflow of the Spirit. Jesus put it this way. He who believes in me, as the Scripture has said, out of his innermost being will spring rivers of living water. And then Luke, the gospel writer, goes on to qualify what he meant. This he spoke concerning the Spirit, that there would be some believing in Jesus as the Scriptures has said. What might that mean? I don't know. John the Baptist, the first declaration we've got about Christ is John the Baptist saying, he will baptize you in the Holy Spirit. And here they are in Acts 2. The promise of the Father turns out to be exactly the same experience. Here they are being filled with the Holy Spirit. And I know what the baptisms meant to me. And I know for you. But this is our collective experience for so many of us. It's Romans 8.26. When I'm jammed up, when I feel like I don't know which way to go. I don't know which way's up, which way's down. It seems like things have fallen off the rails. I don't even know what to pray. Romans 8.26 For when we do not know what to pray for as we ought, the Spirit himself makes intercession through us with groanings that can't be uttered. (laughs) Come on. 
When you're feeling flat in your faith. Come on, have you ever felt flat in your faith? Have you ever tried just going in a room praying tongues for an hour? If you're baptised in the Holy Spirit, I guarantee you won't be feeling flat in your faith after it. Just go lock yourself in a room and start praying in the Spirit and Jude verse 20 becomes your reality. You are building yourself up in your most holy faith as you pray in the Spirit. Come on, this is our experience. This should be our experience. I meet people all the time and I'll say to them, when they're feeling overpowered, overwhelmed, powerless, have you received the baptism of the Holy Spirit? And often the shocking answer is yes, but I haven't prayed in tongue for years. What? And I know that we have rough patches and we have all kinds of seasons and you know, you can be on fire for God and really going for it and then you can go through some tough stuff and it, it can take some of the gas out of your tank. But friends, if ever there was a time, a day, a moment to say, Lord, I want to be refilled. I'm pulling in to the Holy Spirit service station and I want a full tank of gas for the next leg of the journey, Lord. Thank you if that's not too much. I think God wants to do that. This is their shared experience, but it's interesting. It's not an intellectual exercise. And I'm going to finish. This is my last thought. Because I've seen this trip so many people up when it comes to the Holy Spirit and wanting to receive God's power. There's something we always tend to forget about God. He's supernatural. And we struggle to try and quantify him and understand him when we engage our natural brain. As a matter of fact, Paul says that the carnal mind is an enemy of God. This wasn't an intellectual exercise, and yet right there on the day of Pentecost, God's power is being poured out so significantly in this point of history, and yet not everyone was on board. You would think they'd be, well, if God's pouring out his spirit, I'm going to be right under the spout where the glory's coming out. You would have thought that would be for everyone. But listen to this. They were dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. So these are people from all over the place. So they were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, whatever could this mean? Others mocking said, they are full of new wine. Go down a few more verses and I'll paraphrase it. But Peter said to them, These are not drunk as you suppose, but this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And the interesting thing is it was the people who remained outside that were confused about the ones who were having the experience. And I think it's funny. I mean, I don't know. I've always thought this was an amusing passage. They thought they were drunk. I don't know what was going on, but I know this. It was more than speaking in tongues. <laughs> because in all honesty, if you had someone say to you, you know, the other night, I got stuck into a six-pack. I was on my fourth stubby and I started speaking Mandarin. <laughs> it, it like totally freaked the cat out. Like, it's gone. It hadn't been back since. None of us would be thinking that way. So God was so moving on his people that it's probably a reflection of the term that the early church came to know this as, the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Because to baptize literally means to overwhelm. 
So when we talk about water, it's being overwhelmed by water. You're under the water. And in this sense, these guys were kind of, in a sense, under the influence, but of a heavenly spirit, not a cheap, earthly, counterfeit knockoff. They were under the real thing. And it was affecting their lives on such a level that it was visible and it was physical and it was heard and it drew a crowd. Because when Peter started to preach just after this, 3,000 of them gave their lives to Christ. So this was not a small back alley event. This was spilling out uncontainably into the streets. But you know what I love the most about the passage? Is that Peter preaches to them, he preaches to the open, there were two types of people there. There was the, the open person who was seeking insight into what was going on and there was the mocker. And Peter preached to both types and in my experience, I've seen some great mockers come to Jesus under the power of the Holy Spirit. I don't think it was all the ones that were there to investigate it with an open heart, but I've got no doubt that some people in that crowd who'd formerly mocked now all of a sudden were being drawn to the Father by the power of the Holy Spirit and were among the very, very first members, I guess, of the church, if we could call it that, on that day of Pentecost. We need God's power to sweep aside the dissenting voices. We need God's power to sweep aside mocking Standing on the outside, throwing stones. I don't understand it, so I'll ridicule it. We need God's power to sweep it all away. In my experience, what's happened, and I've dealt with or walked with a number of people, I wouldn't say dealt with, but walked with a number of people in that situation. The moment the Holy Spirit touches them, they've got no further questions. Thank you. <laughs> it's just, oh, I didn't know my Christianity could be this. <gasps> oh, there's so much more. And I hope we're hungry for that today. So we're going to pray. I think I've preached enough. We're going to pray, but I'll just give us a few instructions as we go too. Um, I'm going to get the team to come back and uh, what I will do is when I finish, I'm going to ask a couple of questions. So we're quite finished, but the team will come back. And then uh, I'm going to close the service so that if you have to be somewhere, I fully understand that, um, you know, some of us have got small kids. It might not work for for all of us. Um, And I fully understand that you'll be free to go at that point. And as I said, anyone else who just wants to push into what I'm talking about, that is just hungry, thirsty for a fresh touch from God, then we're going to just spend time in prayer right here. Um, So that's what we'll do in just a moment. But first, just some questions for us. What's been your own experience of the Holy Spirit so far? Just what has been your experience? You know, there are people in the book of Acts, later on in the book of Acts, that when asked what their experience with the Holy Spirit was, actually replied, uh, we haven't even heard of a Holy Spirit. And yet they were followers of Christ. They'd actually been baptised and followed Jesus as disciples. And so, um, you know, we can be at all different stages of our journey and it's all cool. All I'm going to do is basically say, why not jump in? What's your experience been? Are you, here's another good question, probably very simple. Um, 
Do you desire more? You know, have you, are you open for what God has next? And I've been very careful during this whole series as we've led up to Pentecost to not be prescribing what this might be or look like. I've seen God do all kinds of things in 38 years of ministry. But I'm not actually looking for those things. Besides the baptism, the Holy Spirit, people receiving that heavenly language that helps them push through tough times, build themselves up in their holy faith. We're definitely going to be praying for that. Other than that, I just, just, if we come with open hearts, let God do what God wants to do. I've got no doubt God wants to heal bodies. I've got no doubt God wants to heal minds, touch emotions. I've got no doubts God wants to do that kind of thing. Why don't we just come and let God do his thing? And we'll be praying. We've got oil as well. We've got the pastors. We've got some oil. We can anoint the sick. We can just, you know, just pray. Hey, why not? The Holy Spirit does the healing. So why not just believe for whatever the Holy Spirit wants to do in you? And I really want to believe that people can walk out of here free of things this morning. Last question is, are you ready to be filled afresh? So we're going to pray in a moment, but just before we do, and I know it's been a bit of an unusual service, but just really quickly, you know, I recognise there could be people here who haven't had an experience of faith in Jesus ever. You've maybe never even been in a service like this. I guess I'm only talking this way because this has touched so many hearts. Many people in this place have the same experience of me of coming to Christ by faith, just hearing a message about Jesus being the answer, being the saviour, and sort of putting our faith and trust in that without knowing much more, only to have God turn our lives inside out, or should I say right side in, and then lead us with his power and his goodness through decades and decades of life. That is a common testimony in this place. If you want that to be your story, I want to give you the opportunity. So could we all just bow our heads right now, right where we are? And, and I'm just going to simply ask if, you know, if you've never, if you've never really come to Jesus and opened your heart before in an authentic way, here's your opportunity, friend. Would you do it? Just right now, I believe Jesus is here and the power of his spirit is here to touch you right where you sit. Why don't you just raise up a hand to him in acknowledgement. Lord Jesus, I need you. That's what you're saying. Just really quickly, really quickly, as I look around this place, just do your business with God. So look around this place. That's wonderful. That's great to see. Father, we thank you for your presence and your power in our friends' lives. Touch them the way you've touched us and lead them by your spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And we've got added our Connect Hub. If you made a response just then towards Jesus, we'd love to give you a Bible. We'd love to give you a little uh, pack that's sort of got some encouragement and how to walk with Jesus. Love to give that to you. It's all free at the Connect Hub on the way out. Cool? Amen. Well, I think it's time to pray. Stop talking. We right? Time to stop, stop talking and pray. So uh, the team is going to lead us in worship, and then I'm just going to invite you to come.
and we're going to begin praying for people. And uh, as you come, you might, you might have something specific. If you're desiring the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that has not been your experience, tell whoever's going to pray for you. I would like to be baptised in the Holy Spirit. Cool? Um, if you have a specific healing need that you'd like someone to pray for, feel free to tell them. But why don't we stand? Why don't we stand? Okay? And at this song, the service is dismissed. Okay? So you're free to go. Turn to the person next to you and say, you're free to go. Okay? You might want to turn back and say, but I'm staying. And we're going to pray. Okay, God bless you. If you have to get going, you get going.